Welcome back to the show. In this episode, we have a great interview lined up for you. Comics writer Stephanie Phillips joins us, and we do a round of This or That, and we also talk about her work on her PhD, as well as her love for hockey. And our episode spotlight for this week is the podcast All Day with Ellie. She's actually been a guest on this show a couple of times, and if you love to hear different perspectives about different topics or viewpoints in the geeky fandoms, this is a great podcast to check out. I highly recommend it. I will give you a link to her show in the show notes below. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsonlife.com. So we have a fantastic guest on the show today. Many of you may know her and her awesome work, but for those of you who do not know her, let me introduce to you our guest, Stephanie Phillips. Stephanie is an American writer known for comics and graphic novels such as Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman, Grimm, and We Only Kill Each Other. Uh, She has written critically acclaimed work with some of the industry's major publishers such as DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image Comics, Boom, and more. Stephanie, welcome to the Caption Life Show. Hey, thanks for having me. I noticed that you actually just came back from a trip to Europe. Is that correct? Yes. Seven weeks. (laughs) Oh, my God. Seven weeks. I didn't realize it was that long. Yes. uh, It was uh, six countries and seven weeks. So no kid. (laughs) Was was it just like like a fun trip that you were doing that you've been wanting to do? Or was it like work related or? Um. Using uh, conventions to kind of bounce around. So like starting at Napoli Comic-Con in Italy, uh, doing a convention in Greece. um, And then uh, Belgium and London were kind of just our thing. And then back to conventions, like doing a signing in Spain and uh, ending with a convention in Budapest. No kidding. (laughs) It was a lot. (laughs) So have have you been to any of those countries before? Some of them, yes. Uh, some of them were completely new, so it was a it was a good mix, I think, of like revisiting and um, getting lots of passport stamps, which is my favorite thing. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, so how the countries that you visited? Which one did you really enjoy going to on this trip? Belgium, for sure. I like Belgian beer and just being able to like walk out of like there's a convenience store that was like on the corner of where I was staying. And it was like they had beer there so cheap that in the U.S. you can't even get in the U.S. And if you find it somewhere, it's like forty dollars a bottle. And there's just like yeah, five oh, bucks wow. in the convenience store. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was that was definitely my favorite, though. I, as much as I want to live there, I also am like, oh, how much beer I would drink would probably be. problematic so maybe it's good i don't i don't know Uh, but the comic museum there was also really really cool um like getting to see kind of how they like really revere like comics and all the different shops and the way they treat pop culture was it was really interesting so oh um, no kidding yeah belgium was was absolutely my favorite place that we went oh what's the name of that museum i kind of want to check this out now do you remember? Um, no, it's just like uh, it was just like the comic museum in in Brussels. Uh, OK, I, I don't know if it has another name other than that, but they have rotating right. exhibits. They have some stuff that stays like 
they're big on the Smurfs, obviously. So <laughs> there's a lot of Smurf stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. no, it was, it was like really cool to see um, pages from from different artists and um, just even the comic shops, like walking into the comic shops and seeing like how nice their editions of things are. And Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, it, was, it was really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. So, well, cool. Yeah, I've, I've heard some great things about Belgium. I've actually, I've only went to, uh, have been to a few countries and that's Italy and a really weird one like Croatia, um, okay. which the, the reason being is because when I was growing up, I, I actually like, I was raised Catholic. And so there is a place, not necessarily in Croatia, but I think near there called like Medjugorje. And I went on a pilgrimage there with, uh, with my family and stuff like that. And so that was like the only reason why I went there. Like I never, you know, imagine myself saying like, I want to go to Croatia, you know, by any means whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I do though. I've heard it's really, it's supposed to be really nice. And I think there's a it comic is. on there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's actually a really nice country. I just, you know, before I went there, I just never really had any sort of yeah. like desire to be there and all that. But like when we went through it, it was a very, very, uh, pleasant country and, and a uh, really nice to kind of travel through and stuff like that. Um, and so, and, and I'm not Catholic anymore, so I like have any, uh, any, you know, desire to go back and check it out by any means yeah. whatsoever. But, um, yeah, Italy, um, and Croatia and, and it's, it's not technically in Croatia where I ever went to, but mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think it might be Bosnia. I can't even remember the name of the country that's in and all that, but those are mm-hmm. the only two places I've been to. I know at some point I would love to go to England and Ireland because I, um, I have some family in Ireland I want to visit at some point as well too. So, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's so great. Yeah, and I remember you talking to me about um, how you're going to Europe because we actually uh, talked a little bit at C2E2. I stopped by your table yeah. there. And actually, I want to point out like, I have this over here um, on my shelf here, but this is the DC Pride issue from last year. And I actually have you signed this here oh, because awesome. your story in this book was actually my favorite one. Of, oh, of the entire book. It's something that I really enjoyed because your story in there was, you know, um, was a story about Batwoman Kate Kane, but it was being told through the eyes of her father and me being an adoptive father. Like I, it resonated with me so much in terms of what a father wants for their child. And I, it just, I absolutely loved it. I think I teared up like oh, reading thanks. it and everything. So it was definitely my favorite story from that book. So I appreciate I, that. That yeah, was so a, heard... a gift for my dad. Um, I actually like all the pages of it. Uh, I like cut out of one of the books and have it framed together. So it's like the four pages together. Um, so I, I wrote it for my dad cause his birthday was like, I think the week after pride was coming out. So it was, oh, it was done so intentionally cool. for him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I bet he loved that too. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I, ho- I hope so. It's, <laughs> you know, he might be getting tired of every year getting something comic related, but you know, I, <laughs> but I can I, pull from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand that completely. So, well, um, well again, Stephanie, thank you for joining this show. And for those of you who haven't listened to an episode of when we do an interview, um, we like to do interviews a little bit different with comics creators. So we'll definitely talk a little bit about comics related uh, topics, but we also want to, and uh, when we interview our guests, we like to get to know them a little bit more beyond their work of comics as well, too. So with that being said, I usually start off the interview asking about your comic book origin story. So I wanted to ask you, um, what was it that got you into comics? Was it um, a person that got you into it? Was it a book that you pick up? Uh, what is your comic book origin story? Um, no, I mean, I just I liked comics. Uh, I guess my origin story is pretty boring. I was uh, in graduate school and 
wanted to do something other than academic writing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I started doing comic stuff. I wrote a short horror story for Black Mask. And um, yeah, and then I did a book for Dark Horse that uh, I think got picked up by some editors at DC and then went and did a short story with Riley Rosmo over at DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was that was a really good thing. <laughs> Riley uh, has become one of my best friends, favorite people to work with. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of spurred our Harley Quinn run. So awesome. So so you um, if I heard you correctly, then you didn't even get into like reading comics until graduate school. Then is that right? No, I I've been reading comics, and I okay. think that's why I was like, well, this is a thing. Like I read them a lot. I like them. Maybe this right. is what I will try writing. Um, and I'm not sure why I jumped to writing comics over something else. Like I I think in my brain it was like, well. I like pop culture and it's such an escape for me outside of graduate school that it's like, well, I could try writing video games. I could try writing a comic. And it felt more concrete to say, like, if I wrote something for a video game, it'd be like, well, how do I go give this to a video game company? <laughs> like, that doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't like compute of how to do that. Um, right. And getting into the industry of video games was like, um, uh, it was it was a little tricky given that I was in graduate school. I was kind of on the mm-hmm. path to becoming a professor. So it was like, I don't, I'm not about to go like apply at Blizzard and say like, peace out to this career, which right. I eventually did anyways. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was more like, I, I have a story I want to tell. I think comics would be appropriate for that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was, a, it was a short horror story, Black Mask. Uh, took that story from myself in man house, which was uh, kind of like my first introduction to it. And then, yeah, it just kind of spiraled into a career kind of accidentally. Cause I had a career <laughs> kind of doing a complete switch, um, mm-hmm. you know, after I was a professor at university of Buffalo. Um, so I quit to do this full time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more because I know we I want to talk to you more about your Ph.D. and your experience in mm-hmm. academia. But I mean, I, I know for a fact because I, I work for a university that, you know, being a faculty member in that whole process of like one getting a position and then, you know, going through tenure and stuff like that is like its own little world that is just, you know, fascinating yeah. to say the <laughs> least. So, yeah. And, and I've I've heard, you know, people who've, who've went on to try to become a Falcony member. And then the more they're in it, the more they realize that it wasn't for them. And they left that because of that reason and everything. So, but I think personally that you made a great career change and great career choice. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely what I prefer doing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, well, so thank you for sharing your comic book origin story. So the next part is to kind of get to know you a little bit more. I'd like to do a game with our guests called This or That. Um, so for those of you who are not familiar with this, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Stephanie, you know, just a, a series of pairings. So I'll kind of say, you know, would you rather do this thing or that thing? And then Stephanie will give her answer. We'll, you know, talk about, you know, a little bit about the answer and all that. And, and we have like a list of 10 of those kinds of pairings that we're going to ask you. And so it's a, it's a very popular um, thing, I think, on Instagram. A lot of people will put um, okay. stories on Instagram, I think, where like people can like circle like which one they would rather or something like that. So, um, so okay. that's what we're going to do here. Is, and, and these are all non-comic book related, so that way we can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so the first question I want to ask you for this or that is board games or watching TV? Watching TV. 
Awesome. Yeah. What 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 show or series are you really into right now? Um, probably. I think you should leave, which I've seen five hundred times, but I'm not going to stop. It's um, <laughs> it's addictive. Um, and actually, it was like last week. Tim Robinson was at the Cubs game, and they did like a Dan Flashes cub shirt giveaway which i didn't get one but it was like <laughs> these crazy the crazy pattern shirts with like the cubs logo in them um but uh no i i feel like i speak entirely and i think you should leave quotes and um it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> i love that i i think that's one i haven't seen yet yet so oh, i'm probably gonna okay. have to do that you yeah go check it out yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah. on a rewatch of arrested development right now um, oh cool the, the yeah. like the first part of the series or the netflix series yeah no the the original um i found out my partner hadn't seen it so i'm like oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so it's been like it's good because it's it's quick it's like 20 minutes um mm-hmm. yeah I, don't, I like tv but i mean i think more than anything i watch sports um so i will usually put on any sport because it's just so different from like if you're working on a comic script all day then yeah. yes i want to watch a dude swing a bat out of very fast ball and like <laughs> not know what's about to happen um yeah. that would be that would be nice but <laughs> oh that's really cool that's really interesting perspective on that though because like because i would imagine like if you're writing a story like it's good to have something like sports on there just like you said like you don't know what the outcome is going to be but also yeah. i would imagine like it's kind of nice because then you're not you know potentially being influenced by like a show that you're watching when you're writing your story. Like you probably want to have like a blank slate to, you know, kind of work from that. So, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And not questioning like, Oh, I wouldn't have done it this way, which maybe is like a weird, (laughs) uh, but if it, cause like, you know, I write in the genres that I appreciate and like to watch or engage in. So um, that gets a little, a little tricky, but with sports, it's like, uh, uh, you know, being on the off season for too many uh, too many leagues right now. I'm like, huh. it's like <laughs> mostly baseball now. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I bet. Yeah. Um, art gallery or history museum? Oh no. Um, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I think I go to more art museums. Okay. Um, like yeah, traveling. That's usually one of the first things to look at. Is like, is there an exhibit to go see or like a gallery uh, mm-hmm. that's open in this city? Um, so probably that. But I, sometimes I think they're very combined. Like mm-hmm. uh, the you know the history of of the city or the artist. I I really like that element to what I'm going to see. Is there a art gallery that's at your absolute favorite that you've been to before? Um, favorites. No, I mean, I think exhibits like, um, in New York, uh, was it, I think it was MoMA had a Merritt Oppenheimer exhibit, uh, last year. That was probably my favorite art exhibit I've been to. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I knew the name of it and I just ended up like absolutely falling in love with, with her work, just being like, holy shit, like her voice and, um, kind of like a sarcasm that comes through in what she was doing. I was like walking through this exhibit of amazing things she made, but also just laughing. I was like, Oh my God, she is so (laughs) like kind of giving the middle finger to everybody with this thing that she's (laughs) created. And um, Uh I like that. Uh, No, that was, that was really, really cool and well done, Um, you know, in Chicago. So there's a good museum here, easy to get to. Um, I think the Dali museum in in St. Pete, Florida is very well done, but 
<laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you live in Chicago, by the way. Yeah, we're you're what Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. I live in, okay. in Indianapolis. I I'm like only like, you know, two and a half hours away from there. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, my, That's my cool. family's in Florida, so I go to mm-hmm. I go to Florida a lot, but um yeah, so uh, yeah, Chicago's nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome i like it there's a lot to do yeah yeah well and it's you know it's like it's um especially in the midwest like that's really a, a, a neat town to go to because it has a little bit of everything you know like it, when you think of the major cities in the u.s you got you know la and new york is obviously the you know, first two that comes to mind but you yeah. know chicago is really should be up there because even though it's in the midwest it's, it's a huge city that has a lot of yeah. you know everything that you expect from the other big cities too so i really enjoy yeah. it yeah, oh, me too. I'm still learning. I, I was never taught to parallel park. Um, oh, ever. yeah. So that has proven challenging. There are times where I'm like, I can drive here and it would be so easy. But I know there's no <laughs> like there. there's a very large chance I will have to parallel park, in which case I can't do that. So right. <laughs> um, like uh, it's on the list of things to learn. But uh, we'll get there. So there's a lot of walking or which luckily you can do easily here. um, Yes. Or Uber. Yeah. Awesome. Well, or you can, you know, hopefully the technology will catch up where, you know, most cars will just have the parallel parking technology that you could just hit a button. and It'll just do it for you. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) possible. I'd be open to that. Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of people would. (laughs) Um, Big city or small town? Big city. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that one's easy. I would have said small town probably years ago, but uh-huh. um, just, I, I don't know. I like music and breweries and mm-hmm. art museums. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, would you rather write an email or write a letter? God, neither. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk to, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> um uh, that's fair yeah i mean we, we can say like i get that so you can just say neither and we and that'll be fine <laughs> sure i i mean i guess i i kind of like um uh i i mean i've written letters i think it's more personal i don't do right. it often but like i guess i guess i would go slightly more letter but <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i I can't remember the last time I've actually wrote a letter, but I know me personally, I, I prefer email just because I'm, you know, and I think a lot of people like this, but I'm just faster typing than I am writing. And yeah. like, I just, I feel like I can get a lot in there in, in a shorter amount of time. So it's, for me, it's more like efficiency than anything else. So right, right. yeah, I also don't really open my mail, which is like, oh, I feel okay. like if it was yeah. a problem, I would have been arrested by now. Like if there was something really <laughs> pressing in there, yeah. um, but if somebody, <laughs> really wanted to get a hold of me they would have Uh figured out an alternative way which makes Mm -hmm. mail redundant um and i also get a lot of mail from people that like aren't me or to somebody that's like not me and doesn't live here or something and it's like right like a neighbor or somebody that was living there before or something like that yeah 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 Yeah. we've been in our house for a long time and we're still getting those kinds of, of mails all the time so yeah um, now I don't know, you know, if you've seen either of these shows, but I thought this would be interesting. Uh, do you prefer watching Friends or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes. Why, absolutely. Why is that? Just kind of curious. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I really got into Friends. I think mm-hmm. the idea of it was, I don't know, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I got Seinfeld, like George and Elaine are <laughs> fantastic. <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's uh 
uh, I don't know. It's classic. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I grew up watching both of those, but I think I watched Seinfeld a lot more than friends. And I mean, they, they both have their, you know, um, quirks and everything like that. But Seinfeld was, was definitely, you know, I think it was like the most watched show, um, at that time. And I think the, the final episode, I think had like the most viewers at that time as well, too, oh, like the, wow. for, for, uh, for a series finale as well. So it was definitely when you think of like the nineties, you definitely think of, you know, Seinfeld when it comes to television, because it was the show to watch that everybody watch. Yeah, no, that was uh, probably more rewatchable for me too. Um, yeah. I don't know that I've ever sought out friends, but I've definitely mm-hmm. clicked on a Seinfeld episode on a plane or something. <laughs> um, would you rather be able to fly or to read minds? Fly. Fly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd rather get somewhere faster. Um, yeah. If somebody wanted me to know what they were thinking, they would tell me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting is that this is actually, I, I didn't even think about this until just now. So this is definitely not planned by any means whatsoever. But um, I guess there was an episode on the podcast This American Live from NPR mm-hmm. that my brother sent me. And I guess somebody like, you know, is really into superheroes or whatever, but he would pose this question to friends of his. And I guess he did like a really um, critical psychological breakdown of like what kind of answers people would give and as to why. And it got down to depending on how you answered it and what were the reason or rationale behind it, it kind of revealed like what your Nate, what your nature as a person was in terms of would you do things for good or for evil? So it's like a very like, you know, seemed like it's a very non controversial question. But the more he yeah. kind of asked and, and dug deep into some of these things, like and, and I can't remember if it's exactly like fly reminds or if it's like I think it, I think it may have been like reminds or visibility or something along those lines. Like mm-hmm. I think it was okay. something like that. But yeah, it was just really fascinating. Just like that seemed like a simple question that a lot of people in, uh, you know, nerddoms and fandoms and all that would like asked the that kind of question and then it got down to it revealed a lot about yourself as a person so now i'm just like i don't even know if i want to answer some of those questions for fear like somebody's going to start like internally judging me for that yeah. sort of thing <laughs> so i don't think i would use it for good or bad i would just be in belgium <laughs> right? watching yeah. football like yeah. i don't know well, and, 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 you know, reading, reading minds, I feel like it's always, it's a lot more intrusive than flying in, in, uh, by nature. So like you could definitely do it ethically where you let people know and you ask them like for permission and stuff like that. But I feel like it's, it's still kind of an evasion on, you know, at the basic minimum level, whereas like flying is not at, at that level by any means whatsoever. But I, I remember talking about this on social media where I feel like when you read some stories of superheroes or villains and comics, like depending on the power they have, it could be like already tell that, you know, from the moment they're born that they're going to be a villain. Right. So like the example I use was mystique and how mystique is a shapeshifter. And like, if you think about like by nature, that's a very, you know, on a basic level, deceitful kind of power, and that, like, how do you use that sort of power for good unless it's, like, very, very circumstantial? But, you know, by its nature, it's, it's you know, misleading people or kind of lying to people and stuff like that when you use it. And so it's like you, you can't really blame Mystique, you know, completely for turning into a villain. 
for, you know, being able to do that. Cause I think a lot of shapeshifters in comic stuff like that are, you know, tends to be villains because that's like a really handy, uh, power to have, um, you right. know, as, as a villain for that, you know? So I just, it's really interesting to think about like <laughs> powers at that level and like how mm-hmm. it can, you know, almost predetermine if you're going to be, you know, a good person or a bad person. <laughs> right. Oh, it is. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, would you rather explore the deep sea or outer space? definitely not the ocean i guess if it's this or that i guess space but i'm happy to die on earth i'm good (laughs) (laughs) i've got no i don't know i'm i'm not i'm good right here yeah good yeah Yeah. well and especially both places i feel like there's a lot of things that you can't be in control of that could like ultimately decide your fate too you know like like if you're outer space, you know, if you get if there's like a crack in your ship or something like that, like you, there's not much you can do because you don't have those resources to like fix those things. The same thing with the sea. You know, I, I guess you could probably get up to land quicker, but. Oh, yeah. apparently not. <laughs> not well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I'll let the I'll let the millionaires go do that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm good. Good right here. Good. Yeah. Uh, would you rather sleep in or stay up? Mm. Sleep in, I guess. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Well, you know, and and thinking about that question, it's almost like if you like to stay up, then you're probably somebody that likes to sleep in as well, too, because you've been up so late. Yeah. So that's a bad question on my end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So my bad. (laughs) No, I I think what it boils down to is I'm not a morning person. I think that's what the question is getting at. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, next time I'll have to kind of make sure to think through those pairings a little bit better. So (laughs) Uh, would you rather give someone a handshake or a hug? Um. Oh God, I guess it depends on who a handshake. Uh, (laughs) I'm not not real. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of still in fist bump mode, I guess, from uh, pandemic or right whatever anyone else has. I don't know. (laughs) Even a cold. (laughs) Yeah. On well, and I remember when the you know the first year of having the pandemic. um, I remember someone saying, you know, what might be a good idea, you know, culturally is to get away from handshake as being like the appropriate gesture when you're greeting someone to doing what um, Japanese, I think Chinese do this where they bow to each other instead of like making physical contact. And I w- honestly, I'm a big fan of that. Cause I always feel like even, even though like I'm, I'm a hugger for the most part, like when you first meet somebody, like I always feel like physical contact is always yeah. awkward and weird to begin with. So yeah. I love the idea of like, yeah, like, well, why don't we bow instead of, you know, making like actual physical contact? Because I feel like that's like still very respectful, but you're not, you know, potentially contracting a, a contagious disease or something or, you know, or yeah. even even if there wasn't a pandemic going on, like, I feel like that's that's just kind of a nice way to greet somebody without kind of evading someone's space, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 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 So. I'm, not, I'm not super touchy, so <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> All right, the last question. Do you prefer the 80s or the 90s? Mm, um, I guess maybe musically the 80s, yeah. um, which is kind of, I guess, what I go to in my mind. But uh, I don't know. I mean, both, both good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and they kind of blend a little bit as well, too. Like, I feel like 
again, probably another question I probably should have vetted and think through a little bit more, but it's like, you know, especially when you, when you kind of look at the decades, like you can think about things are very distinct, but I feel like with eighties and nineties, they tend to be a little bit more blended together. Like I think the only thing right. that was really more distinct from the eighties and is the nineties that eighties have more like the neon color stuff going on where the nineties didn't really have that maybe the early nineties, but didn't have that as like the identifying marker of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and grunge rock came out of the nineties as well too, where like eighties was still heavy metal band stuff like that. But you know, the, uh, with Nirvana and green day kind of joining on the scene and stuff like that, that's, that's been kind of like a, a, um, calling card for the nineties is grunge rock, you know, um, being a thing. Yeah. So cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. I feel like I have, I know you a lot better now and know <laughs> you as a person with doing that. So that's a lot, that was a lot of fun. So, um, okay. So. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your experience with getting your PhD in rhetoric and composition, um, because that's something that um, I've noticed that you put in your social bio that, you know, you have a PhD. And I think that's really cool as well as important to kind of share that little tidbit, because, again, you know, in this day and age, we kind of just known by like what we're you know known for and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really um, it's really cool that you're that you share with people that you do have a PhD in rhetoric and composition. Um, So you were talking about a little bit. But what made you decide to go on and get a Ph.D. um, and then kind of maybe talk about like, you know, through that process and everything, you know, um, maybe give us a little bit more details about what made you, you know, switch from becoming a faculty member to going into uh, writing comics professionally? Um, I think I just kind of went to get a Ph.D. Like it just seemed like a natural progression, like Mm -hmm. uh, I was good at school. So yeah. <laughs> you can hide in school for a while. Um, so I, yeah, I just kind of went straight from undergrad into a master's program, um, straight from master's into a PhD and just kind of thought I would be a professor. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't really, I don't even entirely know why it was just kind of there. It was in front of me. It was, um, you know, I, I, I liked elements of school, I guess, cause I was good at it. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, partway through the PhD, it was just also kind of like, I think becoming a little disillusioned with the notion of the ivory tower, like, um, right. academia can be really problematic. Um, there's a lot of inequity. There's, um, I, I, I call it a bit incestuous because you were doing research and writing for maybe one other person that's doing this very specific niche style of research. Mm-hmm. And it is its own language, which at one point I thought was really cool to be like indoctrinated in that and to learn it because it's like, oh, wow, you have to be like super smart to like be able to learn this. And if I can master that, then I would be super smart. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know that the smartest thing ever is making the work that you do inaccessible to a general group of people. I I actually think that that's, that's the opposite of smart. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if nobody can argue with you because they don't know what you're saying, I don't think that makes you intelligent. I think that is a problem. Like if Mm -hmm. you are generating knowledge for people, uh, well, really you're not generating knowledge for anyone except yourself and maybe one other person that's trying to learn this kind of language you've created. Mm -hmm. Um, In some ways I find it interesting that that's happening, but it, um, I don't know. It in when you try to kind of buck against that in any way, it becomes like, well, this is work we can't publish. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I once had something rejected from 
um, an academic journal because they said it was like something like it being too easy to read, um, which is a really weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it wasn't quite those words. It was something it was something along those lines of like mm-hmm. being very clear and concise. And it was like, well, duh, like that is, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is my goal as, mm-hmm. as, as a writer is to be clear and concise. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It made me, uh, I, I feel like just, you know, a couple of years into the PhD, I got very like, what is this? Like, what right. are you people doing? Um, you know, I think some of the the least intelligent people I know have PhDs and it's like, that's cause you're kind of all hiding in here, giving it to each other. And conversely, some of the smartest people I know also have PhDs, but um, mm-hmm. it was a very weird, I don't know. It didn't feel like the, the right place to be staying anything. Um, right. So I'm kind of taking some of that work that I did, things that I was interested in. A lot of it appears in comics I've written in a way that I think it's like trying to work through those ideas with the readers and mm-hmm. in a way that is more accessible i mean i'm not i don't know maybe comics are still a bit niche but i'm gonna go ahead and say i've had more readers on that than any academic work i've published (laughs) right yeah so with with your undergrad and and master's degree like were those also in writing and were they at the same institution or were they at a different university uh different universities Uh, undergrad i did history and english um master's degree um was in English and um, I did like a technical master's degree in technical writing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then PhD, I left literature and did rhetoric and composition. Gotcha. Switching topics a little bit. So I want to make sure we talk about your PhD, um, but I also saw that you are a fan of hockey as well, which I love because I grew up playing hockey. Um, my own origin story with hockey is that I never like knew anybody that played hockey. And then the movie, the mighty ducks came out (laughs) and then that's what got me to play hockey. at like the age of nine, which at that point, like when I started playing, people have been like playing since they were like three or four or whatever. So I felt Mm -hmm. like I was like late to the scene and all that. But I remember like after watching the movie, I went out to the front yard, told my dad, you know, I I really want to start playing hockey now. And I remember like that moment where he just kind of sighed and just said like, all right. Like he must've known something I didn't know. Like mm-hmm. he must've known like, you know, the cost and time involvement and stuff like that, which for me as a kid, you don't think about those things, but I could just see like, mm-hmm. you know, apparently his world just kind of changed after I said that because mm-hmm. of his reaction to it. Um, but since then, I mean, we've been a huge hockey family and we all love like watching and playing hockey and everything. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like what, what got you into hockey yourself? Like, did you come from a, a family that also loved to play hockey? Was it like, nope. was it mighty ducks? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, it, it was the Tampa Bay lightning. It was just yeah. like, um, growing up with the team, like as they were kind of growing in Tampa, um, like I remember some of the first games I went to, um, it was like, I don't want to be here. Like, what is this? <laughs> um, and just like being around it enough, uh, especially the first time that they had like a Stanley Cup run, it was like, 
yeah it's pretty cool like i mean being obsessed with it i my walls were covered in posters of like le cavier i think i had an ander chuck poster in there i know uh, i had a uh, hobby boolin over my bed i just had like a big it was like him breaking out of a blue brick wall and it just said like the boolin wall um <laughs> i think i got it at like a toys r us which is ridiculous but oh that's um, awesome <laughs> yeah i i loved uh like i loved the tampa bay lightning and just like watched so much of it that I was like, I, I want to try, uh, did uh, roller hockey for a long time. And then mm-hmm. teenager, I made the switch to ice cause I was in Florida and it was a little harder to come by and wasn't very close. So yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was until I could really like, uh, drive myself somewhere that I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, switch the, the roller blades for, for ice skates and see how that goes. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's always fascinating to me because there's, um, you know, places like Florida and California and, you know, even Texas where people don't see snow hardly at all. Right. And they go into a sport where it's, it's like cold and like ice. And, and I remember I used to be a mission counselor for, um, a university where we had a lot of people from Florida would come to our university because of football. Um, And I remember that it was being culture shock for them coming up to Indiana and that if it was 60 degree weather, like we could walk around in like in the shorts and a T-shirt in 60 degree weather. But people who are from Florida never experienced that. Like they're freezing and have to like wear coats and stuff like that. And um, so I was always found it fascinating that, you know, hockey in Florida. And I'll, like I think they have at least two teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers. I don't think they have a yeah. third one. Right. I think it's just those two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I always found it fascinating that they had um, hockey down there in a climate where you, people don't see snow or ice in that sort of capacity. So, um, so well, yeah, that's no, really cool. So, lightning, so Tampa Bay Lightning, which I've never been to a Tampa Bay Lightning game before, but I've heard that it's a lot of fun. Like when we we went to Tampa Bay a couple of times, and I see Tampa Bay Lightning posters and like merchandise and paraphernalia like all over the place so it seems like tampa really loves their hockey team um and and i think in terms of sports do they have another uh professional team like is base do they have a baseball team down there as well too and football yeah nfl oh that's um, right yeah the buccaneers yeah yeah yeah, that's right i forgot about that technically there's the tampa bay rays but they don't play in tampa so oh okay well gotcha kind of like how the new york jets actually play in new jersey yeah, it's kind of like that. They're they're actually like in St. Pete. It's a pretty far drive, but 15 minutes from me is Yankees spring training. So it's oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I grew up going to Yankees games and not Tampa Bay Rays games. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Cool. So so playing hockey then when you made the switch to ice hockey, like what position did you usually find yourself playing for the most part? Um, I gravitate towards right wing. Um, oh yeah. That's yeah. I, I don't know. It was just, I think I was probably put at it. And then, uh, much later when I moved to Buffalo, um, one of the teams I was playing on never had enough defensemen and I'm a better skater than I am a shooter. Like I can, I'm really good at skating. And I think maybe it was just like being smaller. It was like, I 
developed that skill more than others. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can skate backwards. I can do all that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and so I jumped into that position and I was like, man, I should have been doing defense all along. It's just like <laughs> being a giant wrecking ball. Like this person is in front of my yeah. net and I'm going to do everything in my power to destroy <laughs> them. Like, oh, oh, you even look at the goalie wrong and I'm going to like, this is going to become a bat. Like, oh, it's so much fucking fun. Um, like just like uh, being absolutely unhinged defenseman that is mm-hmm. that is <laughs> that's what i'm good at <laughs> yeah oh yeah it, it sounds like that was your own personal like anger management uh experience for you right i what's what's interesting is i um growing up i played center for the longest time um but i was also like the the tallest kid like for the longest time, I think ever since even first grade, I was always the tallest kid in my grade. Um, now I'm six, six and I've been six, six since I think seventh grade. Uh, but I've always been, you know, kind of at the taller end. And so when I played mites and squirts, they always had me at center. But then when you got to peewee, like other kids started growing and going through, you know, puberty. And then they started to get, you know, caught up in terms of like how fast I can skate and everything. So they moved me back to, defense because I wasn't as fast as the other kids. Um, I mean, I was, I was pretty decent in terms of speed and all that for some of my size and everything, but, um, but because of my size and, and, uh, how bulky I was, I pushed people around. So they moved me to defense and that's, that's all they told me, like, you know, just go hit people and take slap shots from the blue line. And that's what I did. I did it really well. And like people got upset when I hit people because they thought that because of my size, I probably, you know, I, I probably did hurt some people like just because of that, <laughs> but like, it was never like anything illegal or anything like that. It was all clean hits and everything. It was just that, you know, when you got a kid like, like that's at your hip and you hit, knock them down. Like it just looks really vicious mm-hmm. because of the size difference by uh, every, you know, by all means. And, but you're right. Playing defense is a lot of fun because it gave you all the reason to like hit somebody for, for no reason, you know, like you can't do it legally, but it's like it gives you a reason to go out and hit somebody if you really wanted to do that. So that's oh, that's a lot of fun. Now I kind of want to get into adult league and start playing hockey again. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start with some pickups, I think. Probably. Yeah. Here in Chicago and see how that goes. But yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure Chicago has a lot of like pickup adults, you know, opportunities up there. So yeah, Indianapolis, yeah, we we don't. Some. Yeah, Indianapolis, we don't have a whole lot. Like you know, on my side of town, we don't have an ice rink. So it's like mm-hmm. if you wanted to go to an ice rink, there's like three, maybe four rinks on like the the uh, Rittier side of town. Yeah. And then there's one on the South side, which is like, not like, you know, impoverished mm-hmm. by any means whatsoever, but like the North side of Indianapolis is known for that's where, you know, the, the Rittier people are at. So, yeah. um, well, Another question I want to ask you is, so you and I um, first met at C2E2 um, this earlier this year, which I mentioned earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I know that there's always like fun stories that people have at conventions when they interact with fans or, you know, people that come up to their tables and things like that. So I wanted to ask you, like, what was what's a really interesting interaction that you've had with somebody at a convention before? Um. <laughs> I, I tend to, you know, I think I have really good interactions, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. There's, uh, I, I've met a fan now a couple of times named Oscar, um, who gave me this really cool, it's, it's on the dresser every night. It's um, like a, an alpaca who's wearing this handmade little like poncho that says I killed comics on it um, <laughs> that Oscar made for me. And uh-huh. I, I 
I just I love him, so I've named uh, I've, I named him Oscar in honor of of oh, his. Oh, that's cool. Uh, maker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was that was really sweet. Um, I I don't know. I think uh, internationally there have been some really interesting ones, like people um, getting my work as a translation and then coming and having conversations about that. Uh, I have a a fan in, in Greece that I've seen now a few times when I've gone to the convention there. And um, I, I feel like she needs like a royalty check from, from boom. Cause she's like my grim pusher. <laughs> like uh, the last time I saw her, she came with like a group of maybe like five other people. And she's like, they all just got grim number one and here you are and here they are and they're gonna read it and i'm like are you just forcing people to read this book like, uh, she has I mean, that I'm kind of power com- <laughs> yeah like i'm not complaining but um <laughs> uh yeah I, I you know i i enjoy that i i like the chance to kind of talk with people and i think comics are interesting because they're not super isolated uh mm-hmm. like there there is and you know obviously we know a lot of the horror stories of the accessibility of comic creators and the industry with the fans right like we all know that but i think there's really good in there too and actually getting to talk to people um is a benefit to the job mm-hmm. the majority of the time um, right like yeah there have been weird things but Eh, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm sure there would be in most other industries as well at some oh, point. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that the good far outweighs the bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, that's good to hear. Now, you had talked about um, Oscar's uh, alpaca having the, the sweater that said, you know, I killed mm-hmm. comics. I also saw that, I think, on one of your social media bios as well, too. And I, I got to say, I don't think I know the story behind this. Oh, is, is there a story okay. behind... I killed yeah. comics. Like, is that something um, you want to share or? Yeah, it was, um, somebody that was like online kept following my accounts and saying it was some long post about how, like, um, I in particular had killed comics for them. Like, Oh, I killed comics in cold blood. That was the line, which is great. It's like, you just handed me a gift. Like, <laughs> what a fantastic line. Uh, I mean, it was very much saying like, um, they, they didn't like, uh, I think it may have been about me writing the pride issue um, that you have behind you. Something about like too oh, many really? characters are gay and they are not interested in reading this. And there's too mm. many women. It was like, it was a longer post. Um, but at the end of the post, they were like, uh, you know, I, because of you, I won't be reading this. You killed comics in cold blood. And I was just like, okay. And a lot of it seemed very targeted at LGBTQ content. So right. uh, yeah. I made a shirt that said I killed comics in cold blood and all the proceeds went to the Trevor project. Um, oh, to, um, assist with uh at risk lgbtq youth yeah um, so yeah we we made a shirt and we found a website that would like host it and directly just send all the money so i didn't even have to like take it and give it it was like if somebody bought it the website um which is great would just automatically like that money would go there so right um yeah just kind of kind of stuck and um i don't typically engage with with comments like that but that one was just it's yeah. very specific. It stood out. Like I liked that line. That was pretty funny. Um, but the content <laughs> itself, I think, is representative of of people um, really not accepting other voices or other characters. That if it's not for you, that's okay. There's plenty of content out there that's not for me either. Right. I don't hate that it exists. It's for somebody. Right. Um, 
So I'm, I'm glad that people have content for them. That's right. fine. <laughs> like I don't have to read it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, we'll just take the opportunity, um, and, uh, make a shirt. Why not? I like yeah. making shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for, you know, for organizational with, um, like that as well too. So I, I, you know, honestly, I, I had no idea about that story, but I will say that that's a very common thing I've been seeing on social media in terms of like the kinds of criticisms. Like you said, it's clearly about, you know, LGBTQ or, uh, gender and, 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 uh, sexist and things like that. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because a lot of the arguments, it's just, it's the same argument, you know, over and over again. They don't really go into a lot of detail that's really, at least not really compelling for me. You know, it's, it seems like it's like kind of the same, you know, talking points I've seen over and over again in terms of like why it's bad. It's always, and it always about like boils down to because of this thing. And so it's like, like, I, I feel like that's not really ever like a, like a good critique of that sort of thing. Like clearly it's, it's something else that's bothering them um, from what's happening by, but you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that you've had that experience. It, it seems like at, at least, you know, you're able to kind of come out with it with some sort of light at the end of the tunnel and all that. But I just, I hate yeah. seeing that happen, you know, especially like I, I write reviews for comic watch um, all the time. And I always, you know, end up, uh, reviewing a comic that, you know, is not written for me by any means. Cause I'm not, you know, a, I, you know, I'm an ally, but I'm not a member of the LGBTQ by any means, but I read, uh, and review that. And it's always those reviews that end up getting comments and those kind of comments as well, too, of, yeah. of like people like, you know, saying things like that. So I, I did one on, um, the Tim Drake Robin issue that just, you know, wrapped up. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see this all the time when it comes to Tim Drake is that somebody posted the picture of uh, Stephanie Brown, Tim Drake kissing as a way to say like, you know, Tim Drake was straight before you made him, you know, they'll say gay. I'm like, well, he's bi. So like, let's, right. let's get one thing straight, you know, like clearly you don't care that much, you know? So, but yeah, it's, you know, I, it sucks that happened, but I love the story of like how you made it and kind of like own into that. I think that's really, that's really empowering to hear that sort of thing that, um, that you're able to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it turned into something kind of cool and, um, you know, it, it raised like a good little chunk of money. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, the final question I have for you before we get into the comics we're reading segment, and this is coming from a reviewer of ours from Comic Watch. Uh, this is from Seth Romo, and he wanted to ask you that he knows you've done a lot of writing on historical fiction, but wanted to know if you have a favorite historical fiction book that you recommend to readers in general. Yeah, um, I don't know about fiction but historical i read a lot of eric larson i think that's not not savage dragon eric larson's a <laughs> different one yeah <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting uh <laughs> eric larson is i think uh now that cormac mccarthy's dead probably my favorite living writer um i think he makes he makes historical events read like their fiction even though everything that he writes in there is completely factual mm-hmm. um, and I think he does such a good job of researching he's got a journalism background and I've listened to a lot of interviews with him and I I think his approach to history is also interesting in terms of taking small events and making them really personal for the reader mm-hmm. as a way to help you engage and that's something that um, whenever I do write historical or historical fiction it's like I, I try to keep that in mind like this isn't a textbook on World War II. This is still a story about this person. And interestingly, he manages to do that with 
full factual historical writings, like give you this person to root for this person to engage with that makes the story so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end, you're like, oh man, all of that was true. That's yeah, it's really well done. And I I like Eric Larson a lot. He wrote um, the Chicago, um, it's about the Chicago World Fair and the serial killer that was in Chicago. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, Why am I blanking on the name? It's probably his most famous or well-known book. Um, Yeah. Uh, shit. I can't think of the name, but <laughs> Devil in the White City. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's Eric right. Larson. He's, he's got one on the Lusitania. He's got some on like Hitler's rise to power. They're all, all of them are fantastic. Right. I, I've always seen a uh, Devil in the White City like pop up as a suggested read. And um, it always sounds interesting. But now, you know, that you recommend that, I'm probably going to have to put that on my to read list. And once I get caught up on my other books and comics that I have piles and piles of like just sitting over in my corner yeah. here. <laughs> so at some point I will. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's great. Awesome. All right. Well, um, before we get to our final segment of the episode, just want to remind people that the Caption Life show is part of Comic Watch, which does uh, reviews on comics, TV, film, anime, pretty much anything that you want to re- write a review on. We do that. Um, that's related to comic books and or adjacent. And so if you're looking to be a reviewer, we do have a link in the show notes below for you to check out um, and apply. We usually respond to people within seven days. Um, it is completely volunteer, but it's made up of a great group of people that are fantastic. And I think, you know, anyone who joins can tell you that, you know, they enjoyed it and that they really love being part of this group. So even if you've never done any sort of review, you like before this could be a really good springboard for you to start off with so definitely check out the show notes if you're interested for the application to become a reviewer for comic watch and then next week episode we are going to talk about the eisner award winners which will be really interesting because um when this happens um you know we usually record sunday night before the episode comes out and so we'll just find out friday so it's going to be a kind of like a quick turnaround to do this but uh, next week will be an episode talking about those who have won the eisner Awards. So, um, so with that being said, let's talk about the comics we're reading. And usually, I have uh, listeners chime in on what comics are reading. But because we're recording this um, a little bit ahead of time, we won't have that included in this episode. So, I'll go ahead and start off with you, Stephanie. What comics are you currently reading right now? Um, I I don't read a whole lot of, of comics outside of stuff that I need to read for what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I've been. Uh, rereading some Cormac McCarthy uh, since he died recently. It just felt like reading some of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and though I am, and I am doing a reread of Scalped by Jason Aaron. Um, oh, I just okay. saw Jason uh, for ALA and he had made some mentions of, of Scalped and I was like, Man, I know I have that and I would like to kind of get back into it. Um, Cause I, I, I know it's fantastic and Jason is one of my favorite writers. So right. um yeah, I'm I'm kind of doing a reread of Scalped. Oh, cool, awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think I've um I think I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it um by any means. So I'll definitely have to check that out sometime. Yeah, no, it's 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 very very good, very gritty, very dark. I, I like crime, um, so I'm I'm typically a, a big fan of jason garth ennis um mm-hmm. uh the the other phillips that <laughs> i'm not related to yeah uh, sean phillips <laughs> um yeah uh, yeah i like that kind of stuff right yeah which by the way i i have to share with you before i, I start sharing with my the comics i'm reading um 
you wrote um, We Only Kill Each Other. And I absolutely love that book. We actually had no, Peter Krause on the show to talk about that book. Um, oh, okay. And and talk about the artwork and everything like that. But I absolutely love that book. And and it was great having Peter on the show to, to talk about um, that whole process and everything as well, too. But that is a really, really good. Um, if you're if you're someone that's really into a more of a historical comic book piece like this is a really good one. And I think it was just a really interesting. So I, I think it's it's historical fiction, if I remember correctly. Right. It's, yes. it's um, yeah. I, I don't know if it was like actually based on anybody or it's just inspired by or anything like that. But it's it a is. really. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good one. I really enjoy it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the comics I'm picking up this week from my comic store is going to be Darkwing Duck number seven, which I've been absolutely loving. And they just announced um, that they're going to be doing a series on Nega Duck. So I'm probably going to be picking that up when that starts releasing as well, too. But I'm a huge Darkwing Duck fan. So I'm going to be picking up that week um, as well as Spider Gwen's Shadow Clones number five. Um, but I'm also currently reading Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe because I've never read it before. And for those who don't know, like I have this really strange theory that I don't think it's actually, you know, actually what's happening. But with Deadpool three, there's been a lot of rumors about cameos that's going to happen in that movie. So we talked about this probably, um, you know, we're probably going to get Ben Affleck as Daredevil showing up in the movie. They've talked about there might be some people from the Fantastic Four original Fox movies, um, other people from the X-Men properties. And I just had this weird feeling that they're going to do some sort of Deadpool kills the the Fox Marvel universe, you know, to kind of set up for the MCU. So it just got me, you know, thinking like I want to read this book now and just kind of see how this all, you know, come about and everything. And um, so I've been reading that and that's actually been a lot of fun. And it's just, uh, it, you know, classic Deadpool stuff. And um, it just, you know, it's a fun character. I never really got into Deadpool before the movies and since the movies, like I got into reading them and I just absolutely love, I don't think I've read a Deadpool comic yet that I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah. So, well, Stephanie, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you a little bit more before I let you go. um, If people want to follow you on social media or, you know, engage with you or anything like that, where, where can they connect with you? Um, well, I guess in, uh, Twitter's kind of like gone now. So, um, <laughs> it's just kind uh, of floating out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Instagram, uh, is snap crackle stuff, like the Rice crispy cereal snap crackle pop. But I love that username, by the way. I, it's I, so it, old. <laughs> it gives me a chuckle every time I see it, though. Like, it's it's, it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> if I knew that that would be so much more heavily utilized uh, today than it was when I created it. But whatever. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And I want to wish you Thank the you. best of luck with all the stuff. Like I said, I've been a big fan of yours. I love everything that you've been doing so far. So um, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk to us a little bit more about uh, Stephanie. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up another episode of The Capsule Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Capsule Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsulelife.com. 